All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, given farewell to all the first round exiters and predictions on round two matchups, making it all real nice. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. Alright, so at the time of recording this, the Clips Mavs series still has not come to a conclusion. We're heading into Game 6. Mavs are currently up 3-2. Nobody's won at home, and it's just been an absolutely great series. I'm fully predicting that the Mavs are going to go ahead and take care of the Clippers, whether it be tonight or on Sunday in Game 7. I just have a feeling that between the personnel that's on the floor... Definitely the coaching and uh, just the superstar talent of Luka. They have what it takes to go ahead and take care of the Clippers. Clippers won two games with their backs up against the wall when Luka was going through kind of a neck strain type situation. So I can see where the Clippers fan base and fandom feel like they have an opportunity to go ahead and close out on the Clippers. But I was literally at the game five on Wednesday uh, with phenomenal seats, which is just a, you know, a side, you know, little brag of mine, of course, I'm just fucking tooting my own horn over here, but the, just to talk about Staples Center for a second, because obviously I brought it up now, so Staples Center itself is a pretty unique stadium, it's in, you know, downtown LA, right in the, kind of in the middle of a bunch of action shops, things like that, getting around, getting food, all that type of stuff was real easy, and it was great getting to, it's only an hour from where I work, and, you know, by seven o'clock tip, it was a perfect time to get down there, have a quick bite to eat, and actually go ahead and enjoy the game, um, but there is a huge mon strosity size difference between upper level and lower level tickets at staples center so last year i went to a clippers warriors game in like january crowd wasn't very into it definitely as many you know warriors fans as clippers fans the seats were really really high up you had a squint i ended up watching the screen for most of the time because i couldn't see the game fast forward to wednesday and i'm in the lower level same situation as far as a fan base you know there's plenty of clippers fans but plenty of mavs fans as well it's a playoff atmosphere but just the level of just interest was way way higher and maybe because it's a playoff game or, or maybe because you know the teams are pretty good and the stakes are high and it's even but it just felt like the clippers fan base had shown up and were loud and were interested in the game and, and the game was popping off the game itself was great i mean going into the fourth quarter Clippers were down 14 after a crazy run to end the third quarter by the Dallas Mavs, led by Luka Doncic, who ultimately ended up with, you know, 42 points and I think 14 assists and some crazy uh, stat line. He just went absolutely off in the first quarter, five of six from deep, and just continued his dominance, which makes me think that the Mavs are going to go ahead and close out the Clips either tonight or on Sunday. Uh, but I'm willing to be pleasantly surprised. But that being said, I mean, the crowd was just rocking. The The lower level seats were just right there in the action. You could feel like you could reach out and touch the players on the court, though I wouldn't recommend that because I heard they're banning people for life nowadays. Uh, and you could get out. You can get drinks very easily. There's no line. You're in a separate, like, bar from everybody else. And, I mean, it, the experience itself was just far and away better than the typical nosebleed seats that I get. And and the reason why is because obviously you pay for it, right? Like the tickets I acquired were about $200 uh, each for every single ticket. And 
then I was like, hmm, that's actually not so bad. I don't I don't mind doing that all the time. Started looking at the league. Same seats for a Laker game were like six hundred bucks. Same seats for a Knicks game were like five, six, seven hundred bucks. So uh, playoff game prices, right? Better, more beloved team prices factoring in for sure. So you know, I. I, I get it. Clippers, redheaded stepchild, but just the lower level seats in general, if you ever have an opportunity to go and sit in the lower level at any sporting event, do it, right? Do it, do it, 100%. Best game I've ever been to. But one other thing I wanted to note about that game and, and tying it back to why I think the Clippers are going to go ahead and, and falter and have a first round exit is just the coaching is just so bad. And I talked about this last week with Ty Lue and the need to make adjustments and why isn't someone so getting minutes and like Serge Ibaka comes out back spasms, right? That's why he hasn't traveled with the team. That's why he's not playing. You know, Patrick Patterson, Luke Kennard, still question marks on those guys. But the rotations and the drawn up plays by Ty Lue are just awful, awful. And if you go back and you watch that game, Clippers down three, 8.8 left on the on the clock. Ty calls timeout, and the play that he drop, draws up is basically, so it's a side entry inbound play, gets dealt in, swung twice to a Kawhi in the corner who everybody on Dallas knows is going to get the ball. He's in an awkward position, heavily defended, but he has no kickout opportunity. <sighs> Hoists up this just awful prayer of a three that I don't even think connected with rim based on my angle on it. It just looked like it just completely airballed. If anything, it skimmed the rim at best and ends up missing. And it's just like, that's the play you draw up to end the game. I mean, you have eight point seconds left. Why not, you know, drop something to get a closer shot, maybe get the and one, maybe play the foul game, but like a swing and then another swing to the corner when you literally had nobody screening anybody, nobody making cuts, anything. That's the play. That's the play you draw up when you're down three with pretty much your back against the corner and, and the season's on the line. Just, God, I'm, ah, I, can, I could go on for days on how I think that the, this Clippers team is literally just plagued by the fact that Ty Lue is the head coach. And I'm sorry, it's not going to change my opinion on the Clippers or the players on the team or anything, but they're going to continue to just be this shit show until they change the coach. And unfortunately, they're probably out of time. The window has closed because guess what? Kawhi Leonard, free agency, peace out, I'm out, and he gets to go. If he signs and he stays, I'll be very surprised because he does, you know, like Paul George, he's in L.A., he's from the area, blah, 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 blah. You know, every other reason why people want Kawhi Leonard to stay, but he's just gone. He's I think he's gone. I think it's too far gone. I think the the Steve Ballmer unfortunately fucked up. I think the only thing that's gonna be able to keep him there is if, you know, the allure of playing at the forum as opposed to the stable center is enough to, you know, uh, 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 sow his oats in in LA as opposed to moving to another market or something like that. But even if he did, he wouldn't really be moving forward that much and the Clippers they very well be the closest place that can take on a contract for Kawhi and actually have a shot soon right because all the other teams you know their luxury tax they're capped and it's you know part of the reason is all the salaries lately have just been fucking bonkers over the past few years and that's because more and more tv whatever that's a topic for another day I'm trying to stay on Kawhi and the Clippers the Clippers are just what they are. They're a first round exit. They're a good season team, but in the playoffs, they just don't have the coaching. And 
personnel to be carried into the second round and deeper runs and all that type of stuff. Now, Dallas, on the other hand, I mean, those games where Luka was out, they floundered, and they floundered hard. But as soon as Luka came back, they were back-optimized. Luka just literally could do whatever he wanted on the corner, go wherever he wanted, knock down shots, like turnaround threes, doesn't matter, fade away, teardrops over your tall man, doesn't matter. Guess what? I don't have anything. Boom, kick out. He did run the same play. It felt like over and over, which is like, hey, I'm just going to drive hard to the right. And guess what? I know I'm, I've made enough that I'm going to pull the entire defense over. And then guess what? I'm going to kick it right back out to the corner and that person's going to hit a three or they're going to swing, swing it right back to me. And guess what? Now I got my freaking key jumper that I can hit. And that's Luca's whole game and against the Clippers. And he did it over and 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 just ran it down this Clippers neck. And then they put in Boban and Christoph Porzingis, the twin towers of freaking Eastern Europe and just went to ham on the clippers and the clippers had nothing nothing to show for it nothing to say literally nothing that they could do except take it take it take it take it and Ty Lu is is your fault unfortunately and that's just what it is an injury and all that stuff switching over you know you look at the other team in la who has exited as predicted you know as soon as ad went down i I think it was a very tall glass of water for the lakers to drink and and try and move on to the next round i think they were exposed i think they had a lot of behind the scenes locker room drama with you know schroeder playing for a contract and wanting to take over but not really gelling with you know how the lakers could operate a bunch of role players that basically got picked up in the Y, which is the same thing I said when they were the bubble champions, right? Alex Caruso, right? Are you really building a team around him and Kuz and THT? And everybody believed the hype because there were some good games from all of them. And I'm not going to say that they didn't have good games here and there. And they definitely showed up in the playoffs last year. But ultimately, with an aging LeBron, who was more so picking his spots, and you could tell that as soon as AD went out, he saw the writing on the wall and took his foot off the brake because the the LeBron that played in games five and six against Phoenix is far and away a different player than the LeBron that led that Cavs team through the 2017 playoffs and ultimately got swept by the Warriors, right? Or played in 2018 and got swept, right? That team and that LeBron is gone right this lakers team should have been better with all the pieces they had i mean they had gasol they brought in drummond they brought in schroeder right they you you, you're developing caruso you're developing kuzma like you're developing these other like fringe role player guys you brought in montrez harrell former six six man of the year who i think is honestly overrated i think he's just not big enough to play the five but he wants to play the five and then he gets rebounds and unfortunately he can't just make the most simple putback possible like they never really figured out how all these pieces fit together between Andre Drummond and Marcus Saul and, and KCP is not really reliable enough, you know, it, and, and the, it just makes sense, right? Markeith Morris, not enough. Ben McLemore, not enough, right? Giannis's little brother that you brought just in the hopes of getting Giannis, it, he's not even getting minutes, right? Alfonso McKinney, the Warriors old throwaway, Cavs old throwaway player that's just a journeyman in the league at this point, not enough, right? But if you look forward to next year, right, and the things that they're able to do, I think the Lakers have a lot of opportunity here, right? 
LeBron James is aging, right? His press conference was an all-timer where he basically just used it as a promotion for Space Jam 2 because what does he have left to prove, right? Nothing, right? So he's going to come back. He's obviously going to lead the team and see what he's going to be able to do, but I very much assume that he's going to do what he did this year, pick his spots, hope the team is good enough to at least get in the playoffs and then attempt to turn it on when it's worth it. Anthony Davis, under contract as well through 2025. He is who he always has been. And I think a lot of people forgot because he was so available last year during the bubble playoffs, but Anthony Davis has always done this, right? He's when he was on the Pelicans, it was the same thing, right? He would, you know, have an MVP caliber type year come through in the playoffs, get injured and the team would have no hope. They'd be a boat without a sail, they'd be freaking left off and it would just be basically them left to pick up the pieces this happened over and over again in the playoffs right they had a crazy seven game series against the blazers and then ended up getting swept by the warriors and guess what anthony davis got injured along the way anyway right over and over and over anthony davis has proven that his brittleness is ultimately his achilles heel or his achilles groin or whatever you want to call it right that's anthony davis in a nutshell and with an aging lebron who isn't basically put the whole team on my back score 47 to get us through this tough time just so my boy can come back in game seven lebron you you're opening yourself up to do this again next year lakers fans lebron's going to be 37 anthony davis is going to be 29 and you're going to be doing it again now the players that are currently under contract right there's only a few more kcp's coming back 13 mil kyle kuzma's coming back 13 mil Montrez Halo got a player option. He better fucking pick that shit up because nobody's picking his ass up. Marcus All is coming back for the vet minimum, and then you have Alfonso McKinney. But everybody else is expendable. Andre Drummond, I wouldn't bring him back. Ben McLemore, I'm not bringing him back. THT, probably can get him on a cheap enough contract. Get him back. Alex Caruso, same deal. But Caruso, in his mind, he's like, I'm a champion. Cash me out. You don't have to bring back Jared Dudley or Wes Matthews or Markeith Morris, right? But you don't have that much money at stake here. I mean, excluding Montrez Harrell's 9.7 mil that he's the player option for, I mean, you're sitting at 112 million just between the players that you do got. Like, you're almost at the cap anyway. So, shit. I mean, <laughs> like, your hands are tied as far as the pieces that you can bring in to make it work. Your only hope is basically to either flip Kuzma or KCP into somebody else, maybe along with Montrez Harrell. But even then, from a depth perspective, if one of those two go out, who's going to be your role player that brings you back? Nobody. I doubt, I sincerely doubt they're bringing Schroeder back, right? You can't go 0 for 9 and then get bought back. The only reason KCP's coming back is because he's clutch and he, like clutch points, you know, clutch agency. Uh, uh, player and freaking. Dennis Schroeder isn't, and he's oh he went oh for nine in that game five. Like he's out, he's gone. I'm sorry. He's gonna have to find some other place to work, whether it's sign and trade or whatever. And that's what Lakers fans are staring at. They're staring at aging LeBron, who is only gonna continue to his brittleness, which has been you know one of the things that has worked in LeBron's favor for his goat status and all his accolades and everything else that people love to sing praises about LeBron for is his. Uh, ability to remain uninjured but that's gone father time is undefeated right so lakers fans i hope you enjoy space jam right that's as close as you're gonna get to a championship this year 
right? Warriors are right behind you. So I'm, I'm, you know, I don't mean that facetiously. It was a great season. You guys can chalk it up to the, you know, exhaustion from the bubble, whatever you want. But now you got a full off season to just sit back, relax, enjoy Space Jam, right? I'm sure it'll be a seven game series against the Goon Squad or the Monstars or whatever you want to call it. And then LeBron will do some type of press conference and bring everybody back. Bugs Bunny will hit the dagger. Right. And then, you know, LeBron will take all the credit for saving the universe or whatever the fucking plot of Space Jam is. Right. But enjoy it. You got your championship this decade. Right. You can take a couple of, <laughs> take a couple of years off uh, and, and look look forward to the summer. But L.A. Clippers and Lakers, y'all got some introspection to do and y'all got some stuff to do as far as, you know, what what is next for you guys. Moving on. Grizzlies, man, I, I, Grizzlies are probably of the teams that have exited in the first round. It's either them or New York that I think can be the proudest of their team. For Memphis, I mean, you got these this young core that's built around built around Jaw. They literally have the opposite problem that the Lakers have. Their combined, basically, expenditures on salary next year are at ninety eight million. Right for the whole team, they're bringing back and they're bringing back everybody. Valanciunas is going to be in a a contract year. They have Justice Winslow, he who didn't even see the court this year. That's a team option. They can drop that. Dylan Brooks is coming back. Kyle Anderson, Jal Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., DeAnthony Mel- like literally, you go down a list and everybody's coming back. And the person that's getting paid the most is Jonas Valanciunas at fourteen mil. Like you can live with that. That's like hey, I can bring somebody in type money and lose some of these smaller contracts but why would you the team just gels so together they're so good last year you were on the brink of making the playoffs and got knocked out at the play-in game this year had to win not one but two play-in games and then come and make a statement against utah in game one albeit without donovan mitchell but still statement nonetheless John Morant in his second year is just absolutely electric and everything that you can expect. He's that type of player that can give you 50 on any given night, but is also unselfish enough to distribute the ball around. He's a, he's a superstar in the making, right? You have ancillary stars in the making around you, right? That can come through in the clutch. Like this team as currently constructed has a lot to be happy about. And you know, they always, what's the famous saying? Success is a, is a, a factor of realistic expectations or whatever, right? And for the Grizzlies to make it this far, albeit the gentleman sweep, which really should have been a sweep by the Jazz, but the Jazz are the number one seed in the West, right? They're, they're going to make the deepest probably playoff run of of all, right? Except for maybe the Suns and or, or the Mavs or, you know, any one of the four teams in the second round. Are, are, you can make a case for any of them, honestly, but I, I like the Jazz. I like the Mavs. I like the Suns. Like, I'll take any of the four teams in the West, honestly. But the point is, the Grizzlies, you know, ended up winning a game and kept a couple close. They had that, you know, I think it was game three where they came back in the third quarter and made it extremely, extremely close before, you know, losing grip of the situation in the fourth. But the Grizzlies should be ecstatic. They should be over the moon. You know, they're well under the salary cap. Nobody is really in jeopardy of being lost or having too much ego. They're a team that can do it all. They have the opposite problem of the Lakers. They have they can only they can only play five guys. So for them it's like, well, 
you know, do we want to change four quarters into a dollar and, and go after a superstar? And, and maybe if Kawhi makes himself available, sign and trade type deal, something like that. But I wouldn't. I would just continue to do what you've been doing. Keep your head down. Keep keep doing work in the draft, scouting players, you know, signing free agents, doing, you know, minimum risk, you know, low reward trades and hope that they work out for the best. Memphis, of the teams that have exited in the first round, especially the West, I feel the best going into the offseason about the Grizzlies and their prospects, right? They've shown me a lot, but that's because we weren't expecting them to go and be freaking NBA champions this year, right? But they've just gotten a little bit better every year, a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, and that's all you can ask for as a fan. And then you have the Blazers, right? And... With the Blazers, man, it's kind of the opposite problem. These are the kings of basically just doing the same thing over and over again. And I've said this before, right? Last year when they got out in the first round, 21 basically first round exits since 1984, I believe it is. And and that is the most out of anybody. Now it's 22 first round exits. You know, you're hearing the talk of the, of the you know, the trade trade cj you know blow this team up blah 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 blah. well i think that the one excuse that blazers fans have used for over and over and over again is oh we weren't healthy it's like oh we weren't healthy that's why we lost oh we didn't have nurkic that's why we lost oh cj was playing with a broken back oh that's why we lost oh Terry Stotts had a migraine. Oh, that's why we lost. Damian was playing with a broken pinky. Oh, that's why we lost. Oh, and then this year it's, oh, Zach Collins was injured. That's why we lost. And it's like, no, it fucking wasn't. Zach Collins being injured regardless would not have come in and done anything different to push this team along, right? Damian Lillard playing out of his mind, dropped 55 one game, right? But ultimately the Blazers just, couldn't put it together to beat this much much better Denver Nuggets team and that's no knock really against the Blazers I think they just had a couple bad luck draws as far as opponents in the first round and and ultimately just always end up playing teams that are better than them I mean you have you know Dame and CJ as your backcourt right Roko's coming back Nurkic is coming back Norman Powell has a player option. I, I'm thinking he's going to pick that up, maybe get, even get an extension. You have Derek Jones Jr. signed, and then you have Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, and, and CJ Elby all making, you know, pennies, right? couple mil here, couple mil there. But, like, the bulk of the, the spend that you have on your books is, is Dame and CJ. Do you bring Zach Collins back? I don't think so. Not unless he takes less than what he was making before. You know, do you bring in as Canterback? No, unless it's for the vet minimum. Carmelo, man, it's probably just time to hang up the cleats, dude. I don't think, you know, Carmelo's contributions to the team have not been enough to just go ahead and and say, let's bring you back and pay you a lot. If they pay Carmelo Anthony, Blazers fans, just turn off the TV next season. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't even give yourself hope. Just be like, oh, we're in the playoffs. Cool. Let me know what happens. Because with Carmelo and the team as currently constructed, it's this is always going to be your fate. There's always going to be a team that's better. And Damian Lillard plays like a 2K player, right? He is ball dominant, great. 
He'll just pull up and drain a three. Great. He can slash. Great. Does he really make plays? No. Is that his fault? 100%? No, right? Because the players he passes it to also have to hit their shots to complete the assist, right? Assist is a, is a two-person tango. But just the reason I say he's a 2K player is because he also just does some silly things towards the end of the game. He'll just be running around and then has have a stupid turnover, right? And I watched I watched the end of all three of the last games in that series. And all three of them, when it was crunch time, whether they're down by six or three or four, Damian Lillard had a 90 to 99% chance of having a stupid turnover. Not like, hey, the pass was deflected or, hey, this actually got swiped. It's more like, hey, I'm going to bust this swim move. And all oops, my finger just slipped off the right stick as I as I was doing it, and the ball just flies out of my hand. Right? The ball just flies out of his hand, spin move, ball flies out of his hand, he's doing a crossover, like unforced errors. Like if you look at those last few minutes, and I'm not saying like, oh, Damian Lillard had James Harden's thirteen turnovers where he got cursed by Lil B. Like, that's not what I'm saying. He's not cursed. If anything, he's probably based. Being from Oakland, Lil B was probably blessing him the whole time. Yeah, bish, swag, bish, all up on my basketball. Yish. Yeah, that's what Lil B's doing for Damian Lillard, right? But unfortunately, he has these dumbass 2K turnovers at the end of the game in crunch time when the team needs him most. And ultimately, that's going to be a first-round exit every time. Sorry. Sorry, Blazers fans. It just is what it is. I mean, you look at the contract, you look who you bring it back next year, you can live with getting rid of these guys, right? And hopefully drafting, or, or maybe you do trade one of the, the main two pieces. But shit, man, y'all need some size. You guys need some big men that can defend. You need role players that don't just go ice cold while they're, you know, staring at Damian Lillard go off. And it is what it is, right? It's the off season. Focus on that. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and do these. All right. Switching over to the Eastern Conference. And the big news of the week was Danny Ainge stepping down for the Celtics. Brad Stevens taking his position, you know, I had expected a lot more from the Celtics team going into the season. I thought that, you know, it would be addition by subtraction, getting rid of Gordon Hayward, right? I thought Kemba Walker would be able to do his thing a little bit more. I mean, ultimately, this team was on the edge of being in the playing game. Actually, they were in the playing game. They had to play the Wizards, right? And just... Ultimately, like, you had Jason Tatum. The straw that broke the camel's back was Jalen Brown going down, of course. As soon as he went down, you could already tell it was over. Uh, To the point about, you know, Danny Ainge coming back or leaving and Brad Stevens stepping up. I'm interested to see who is going to be the new head coach. But I think they come in with a little bit of a conundrum on their hands. I mean, they have one year... Where Kemba Walker, you know, making 36 mil, he's largely overpaid, if you're asking me. And then the following year, he has a player option. 
Jason Tatum signed until freaking 2026, so that's great. Jalen Brown is taken care of. Marcus Smart comes back. He's going to be in a contract year next year. Then you have Tristan Thompson still signed, Romeo Langford, Robert Williams, Aaron Nate. Like, you have all these players signed for a while. The only players that are currently unsigned are to come back are Evan Fournier, who's already announced he's going he's gonna to test free agency. Luke Cornett, who played some decent minutes, but he's not anybody that you're freaking over the moon about. Sammy Ojale, same thing. Taco Fall, who's just basically the meme stock of the NBA. And Tremont Waters, who you can get away with just ignoring and pretending I never even said that. So, like, you have this roster as constructed for a while. But then once you make it through that year, then you have, you know, Kemba Walker on a player option, which you're praying he doesn't exercise. that, Or maybe you use a sign-and-trade or something. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are your only other two pieces. So, actually, it's, it's, it's a very good time to kind of change over because everybody else after that is on a team option, right? So if as long as whoever comes in, aka Brad Stevens, who knows the ins and outs of the team, right, and what to expect and and the inner workings and how the chemistry went and yada yada. And of course you have to remember there was that story where there was kind of like the vets and the youngins and they had two different locker rooms and it wasn't a cohesive unit and blah 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 blah. Uh, but who knows if we're even having this conversation if Jalen Brown stays healthy and same with Kemba Walker. But two years from now, the Celtics are probably in the best position, right? Looking long, long, long term. Because in two years, I mean, you have everybody else on a player option. You can literally flip the entire roster and just start slowly building around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I was thinking about that on the drive this this morning that I was thinking like, like if I was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I would be like, damn, man, like we're kind of, we're losing our coach. We're starting all over. We were this Eastern conference team, blah, blah, blah. And like, this is probably the best case scenario, right? Is that yes, next year is going to be dog shit, right? But next year you're only going to be 24. Jalen Brown's going to be 25. Like you have years of your prime left, six, seven years of your prime left. And you have, Brad Stevens, who knows exactly how you like to play and who you are as a player, pulling all the chess pieces around and willing to to build around you and Jalen Brown, hopefully, and please don't bring back Marcus Smart for a ridiculous amount of money. Let him make, you know, 14, 16 mil, whatever, so he gets a raise. But even then, like, don't cash him out. You know, get rid of all these other, like, no-name nobodies that were draft picks that didn't work out. And start to really build around these two. And like the Celtics will be back. Rapidly. Rapidly. So I think they're in a great position, right? They exited the first round, but they're in a great position. All right, next up we got the Heat. This is the team that got swept. We knew they were going to get swept. They never really had it all year. They're almost in the same boat. Almost. I mean, you got Jimmy Butler coming back next year, Bam coming back next year, Gorin and Iggy on team options, and you have Tyler, Precious, and then some basically some rookies on contract. But everybody else is, in my mind, gone, right? Victor Oladipo, gone. Like, go test free agency. We don't want you, bro. Trevor Ariza, gone. Bielitsa, gone. Haslam, gone. None, gone. Robinson, gone right maybe not the last two bring them back sign them for minimums right 
But like those are your guys anyway. Jimmy, Bam, Drogic, Hero. Those four, that's it. Everybody else, expendable. Switch it up. Fuck it. Trade the Celtics for every everything that they got. You know what I mean? Like, and then you'd be in a better position. But I think that's really what the Heat were kind of aiming at this whole time. Like, and Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, I have a lot of faith in them. They've been perennially good for a long time. And, like, the only player that you really have signed for a really, really long time is Bam Adebayo. And they're in a great position, right? So, like, Boston and Miami, those two teams next year are not going to blow anybody out of the water, right? That's my prediction right now. But the year after, as long as the decisions are made in a way that makes sense for what they currently have, and they don't go crazy and sign a Victor Oladipo to 30 mil for five years, right? Like, they don't do that type of signing. Like, they're in a great position, you know, as far as a building, you know, position, right? Like, they're not in a a position to contend immediately, but, like, when you have this much flexibility in your cap and everything else, like, that's a lot to be happy for, you know? It's a very, I think, different situation than, you know, we just talked about what the Lake, uh, the Lakers got going on or, you know, what the Wizards got going on. Next year they have, you know, Brad and, and Russ still under contract, and they those two both have player options taking up a vast majority of the contract uh, cap. Then you have Bertons coming back until 2025. He's making 16 mil. Like that, that sounds like a lot now, but with the way the TV money is going and projections and renegotiations with the CBA, like that won't be as much later. Uh, and then you got a, re- a, a bunch of nickels and dimes after that, right? Like, but that's, they're not in a great position. Like Ish, Ish Smith has played himself into a good contract. Like you kind of have to pay him, unfortunately, right? Howell Neto right? You probably have to pay him too, right? So I think, you know, and then after that, you're in a good position. Two years from now, a lot of teams are in a good position. Like of these first round exit teams, like this year wasn't necessarily like a do or die year, but fuck, I mean, (laughs) it is what it is. Like the Wizards are going to have to build around Russ and Brad or end up flipping. Celtics are going to have to build around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, no flipping. No fucking chance in hell anybody moves. Heat, Jimmy, and Bam, and almost Jimmy's on the way out, so really it's like Bam and Hero you're building around? Or just Bam, right? Because Drogic, he's old. Iggy, he's old, right? And you hope maybe one of these other guys work out like Precious Achua or something like that, but he's not going to be no superstar, that's for sure. And then the last team is the New York Nickabacus, who far and away exceeded anybody's expectations this year with Thibodeau coming in. They regalvanized the city of New York. I'll give you an example. I have one of my nephews, I'm not going to say he, he doesn't watch basketball, but he's definitely a more casual fan. And we got into it before because, you know, the Hawks were beating up on the Knicks and I just messaged him and I was like, trash ass Knicks, you know, just looking to connect and talk some shit with some family. And he's like, honestly, I'm super proud. I've watched the entire season. I'm super excited for what we can do and what this means for the future. And I said, fair enough, right? For somebody that's a casual fan, this was the best season the Knicks have had in in 20 years. Hands down, no doubt about it. Only gave more hope was like that mellow team with Stoudemire and everything, 
which nobody really thought could take him that far anyway, but whatever, right? They regalvanized Derrick Rose. They're probably going to have to pay him, right, going into next year. Julius Randle has earned himself a contract extension, but everybody else is relatively cheap. Coming into next year, you're sitting at 54 mil. You sign Derrick Rose, you're probably going to be at, you know, high 70s or, or, or mid, mid 80s, right? And you have some cap to play with. And then the following year, nobody's under contract at all. You'll probably go into that with Randall and Rose, right? And everybody else is basically playing for a contract next year, which is great, you know? I think the team basically brings everybody back next year. Hopefully nobody gets signed. Like Derrick like, like Rose, Victor Oladipo, Marcus Smart, right? Like Ish Smith. Like, those are the players that are going to be brought back for these teams. And those are the players that will make or break these franchises for the next four to five years. Guaranteed. Because if any of these GMs or any of these people decide to give these four, in particular, stupid-ass contracts, stupid money, 30 mil, 35 mil, right, for any of these four players, you will essentially just be putting the 30 million dollar nail in the coffin of any real contention hopes that you have for the next few years and that's just a fact that is just a fact that derrick rose good on you man way to make your comeback way to drop 50 when you're in minnesota for the timberwolves way to do your thing on the pistons and earn yourself back in the spotlight way to come to this Knicks team and lead them Basically into the playoffs, into a four seed, get a one freaking playoff win, which you haven't gotten in forever. Like, good on you, dude. Good on you. But do not pay this man $30 million a year. Victor Oladipo, dude, I'm glad you could sing. I had hope you had a great time on Masked Singer. But your hamstring is fucked up. You do not get 30 mil. Marcus Smart, I'm sorry, man. You got a rational confidence, and you're an absolute dog on the defensive end, and I love the hustle that you have. But you do not get $30 million. I'm sorry. Ish Smith? Ish Smith? 18 mil tops. Tops, tops, tops. And if Davis Bertans is making less than Ish Smith for a long time, y'all got a problem. Y'all got a problem. Right, Howell Neto and Ish Smith should combine for 18 mil. Really, realistically, if the Wizards really, really want to build around what they currently have, and they, but for the Wizards especially, they got to do something drastic. There's not too much time left for those guys. Like Miami, Boston, y'all got time. New York, eh? Randall's like 26. Maybe you want to do something a little bit quicker, right? You don't have as much time, but you got a lot of hope in Manuel quickly and what he can be. Obi Toppin hopefully has a better second season than his rookie season, right? RJ Barrett's starting to come into his own a little bit. You got more time. But Wizards, man? Y'all ain't got time to fuck around. So do something. Do something. But do not pay these players ridiculous amounts. And same goes for if the players jump from somewhere else to somewhere else. Like, Marcus Smart better not be on the Miami Heat next year making 30 mil because that'll be more foolish than signing fucking Victor Oladipo. But but heed my words now. Heed them now. At some point this summer, you will open your phone, you'll turn on the ESPN notification, and one of these four players will have been paid an exorbitant amount of money and 
ultimately done in their team. Let's take a quick, quick break and do matchups. So as we move into the second round, uh, you know, obviously the competition becomes a little bit more close. Last week, I already talked about Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and I think that's really going to be the series to watch out of these four. Sixers and Atlanta has been made more interesting with the advent of Joel Embiid and what is really going to be his health status. I think it's the more he plays the more likelihood of him being out for a significant amount of time increases. You would hope that Ben Simmons shows up and leads the team and you get enough you know, firepower out of Seth Curry and Danny Green and, and, and Tobias Harris to lead you past this Atlanta Hawks team, which is playing with a little bit of, you know, fuck you edge, fired up young guys, first playoff appearance. You're hoping that they, you know, have enough in the tank to even without Embiid go ahead and 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 match the the youthful energy the excitedness of Atlanta of Ice Trey to go ahead uh and it's funny I was looking at the three-point shooting on both teams and it's literally identical both teams shoot 37 percent from three-point though Atlanta had over 300 more attempts so I'd like to think that they're a better shoot three-point shooting team which the Sixers should be worried about I think if you go down the roster and do like, hey, this player for that player, Sixers do, in fact, have the better built team, though I think Atlanta has the more likely to catch fire team. So since it's plus money, I'm going to go ahead and bet on Atlanta to win the series just so I can get the juice. Uh, and of course, if Embiid plays and comes back, then, then Philly will go ahead and take care of business so long as he, as he can remain healthy. Uh, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, like that's just a straight coin flip to, to, toss. You can, you can pick either team that you want in that depend. I really think it depends on what Milwaukee team shows up and they're going to need to be firing all, all cylinders. And for the Nets, I mean, they have dropped games that you wouldn't expect them to drop. They had a tough, tough time against the Boston Celtics, who were kind of dilapidated, but had some really great play from Tatum. Um, and it's it's just going to be super fun to watch both those series in the East. In the West, it's a little bit more... Um, lopsided. Denver playing Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is still a little banged up, man. You saw Chris Paul kind of go down in that first quarter and and he looked like he was kind of you know emphasizing it but chris paul's injury proneness is gonna plague him again it looks like in the playoffs so i'm leaning towards denver i believe they're on the plus money as well um phoenix has already kind of conquered expectations by beating the lakers so hopefully the hangover from that isn't too bad and they're able to turn it on against denver who really hasn't been tested yet um you know, as much as I talked about the Blazers and their first round exits and their problems, Denver has just proven to be like a really, really solid team that can, I think, surprise a lot of people. And then because the Mavs Clippers game uh, series isn't really resolved, I don't know what stands before the Jazz and I can't make a prediction on that. I think both the Clippers and the Mavs 
just I think uh, first of all I think the Clippers and the Mavs just match up well against each other though ultimately the coaching and the superstar power of Luka like I mentioned before is going to lead them past the Clippers so if it does end up being Clip uh, Mavs Jazz I mean that's just going to be one hell of a series to watch you have these young superstars in Luka and Donovan Mitchell you have competent coaches in in Quinn Snyder and, and Rick Carlisle you have the role players that you need in both so i think you know if i had to pick two out of the four series to watch it would be milwaukee's you know test against brooklyn and then uh utah and what they're able to do against dallas i mean and all of these teams all eight of these teams you know i I can make a case why i'm a fan of all of them and and how they deserve to be here and 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 you got to trust the process and you got what's going on with ice tray because Really, what would be the craziest final would be Atlanta-Dallas, right? Because then you have that that little rivalry that's been built up and built up and built up of, you know, trading down to get Trey uh, and, and trading up for Luka and all that stuff and how that finally plays out. And it looks like we have basically two trains on a crash course for that to happen. I mean, a lot has to happen between now and then for it to happen, but I, I think that would be interesting. I think a, a, a jazz bucks finals would be great i think a phoenix bucks finals would be great i think the nets being in the finals would be great right i think denver making it to the finals would be great like all eight of these teams i'm down for i'm down to ride with right because the teams that have exited are likely the teams that have had a lot of success lately and i get it but the and I was just talking about this the other day, too. If you look back the last, like, 20, 30 years, it's really just been, like, a handful of teams that have won a lot of the championships, right? Bulls, six championships. Lakers, six championships. Warriors, three championships. Spurs, five championships. Heat, three championships, right? So when you add all that up, that's six plus six plus five plus three plus three, right? So six plus six plus six plus five, that's 23 years out of the last 30 <laughs> are attributed to four teams. And then you have, you know, your Pistons that won, you know, they won three if you count 89-90, right? Then you have, you know, the the Mavs won one in there, the Celtics won one in there, the Raptors won one in there, the Cavs won one in there, right? Th- those are like your other ones that are like sprinkled in throughout but if you look back, it's only been a handful of teams, and none of them are currently in the playoffs. Celtics out, Lakers out, right? Spurs out, right? It's it's paved the way for one of these teams and ultimately one of these fan bases that have deserved it for a long time to finally, finally hoist that well-sought-after championship. So I'm excited. I'm ready to jump into the second round. I hope you are too. Thanks for listening. As always, follow me on PJ Showcase on Twitter, on Instagram. You know, drop me a comment. Let me know who your current championship pick is if you're a Laker fan or somebody else that's gotten an exit, first round exit. And, uh, you know, we'll catch you next time.